Hello and welcome to the first episode of the new season of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm Sam Brooks and I'm joined today, uh, we've, got a, we've got a bumper line up today actually, we've got Raphael Jukobin, Tom Serrett, Jake Smalley and James Brook. Welcome everyone. Okay, so to get started we're going to look back at the weekend's action. Serie A returned on Saturday, a uh, bit of a slow weekend. Um, and on Sunday evening, we had one of the more interesting games. Andrea Pirlo taking charge of Juventus for the first time. And they got a comfortable 3-0 win. So, Rafa, I want to come to you first. What did you make of Pirlo's first game in charge? Um, and who impressed you in their, in their comfortable win? I mean, it was an impressive performance. But at the same time, you, it's not... Sampdoria aren't that much of a test anyway. They didn't really offer much. But yeah, I, I was really impressed with actually the way the midfield worked. They were they were very dynamic. It was they were really just finding the channels constantly, and it's refreshing compared to the way they were playing under Sarri, where the midfield was a bit. They weren't they weren't as dynamic. Um, what you saw on Sunday was that Ramsey, in particular, was finding a lot of spaces, and really picking out all the right passes. And then you had. Weston McKenney, who I thought was very impressive for his debut, who was working very hard in that midfield. And yeah, it was, it, it's, it's a refreshing performance given how sort of lacklustre they were last season. But again, it's against Sampdoria, so we'll have to wait and see further down the line if, if, he, if Pirlo really is having that much of an impact. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw Juventus return to 3-5-2. It was a formation Pirlo played so well in when he was playing at Juventus. Tom, what, what were your thoughts? Um, do you think the three five two is a long-term option for Juve or do you think that Pirlo will be flexible when the likes of Dybala and Didlicht return from injury? I think it's going to be very interesting because I think three five two is definitely one formation that they could use. But with Dybala coming back, they will have so many more opportunities of um, different ways of playing. And I think with, I think it was uh, Morata was, was getting announced as well. Um, so they might, you know, switch the system with him just being the sole striker up front and then Ronaldo and Dybala supporting him either side or even like, you know, they've got so many talented players out wide, uh, including, you know, Kulusevsky who scored on his debut. So they've got a lot of options. I think 3-5-2, as it worked, it worked against Sampdoria, but I think they might, you know, change it up depending on the teams that play. They've got so many opportunities. Yeah, you mentioned Kulusevski there, and it'll be interesting to see what Pirlo decides to do with him when Dybala does come back into the fold, because Kulusevski had a very impressive debut, and indeed was very good last year on loan at Parma. We'll touch on Juventus more later in the show. Uh, I then want to move on to a team who some feel may be able to challenge them this season, that's Napoli. A bit of a disappointing year last year, but they won 2-0 this weekend. Um, Jake, what did you make of their performance? Um, and what are your hopes for Napoli this season? Uh, well, to be honest with you, when Gattuso took over, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was a bit of a strange appointment. Uh, not something that I would have expected and initially. It took them a little bit to get going, but I've been happily proven wrong, I think, since he's come in. He's really revitalised the team. I thought maybe it was the end of the, an era for the sort of sorry-built team. and They look really good. I think he's getting more of a tune out of Insigne, who's one of the most frustrating players in Syria because he's probably as good as any. 
but it's getting those consistent performances out of him and he looked really good at the weekend and I can't wait to see Oshimen. I think it's a big outlay for Napoli, but I think he's a real talent and he showed a bit of that on Sunday, you know, and in the coming weeks we'll really start to see him. I think alongside Kulosevsky, he's probably the most exciting sign of the summer, I'd probably argue. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are interested to see how um, Oshimen does. Uh, he got a lot of plaudits for the impact that he had off the bench on the weekend. Um, so, Jake, do you, do you see um, Napoli... You know, a couple of seasons ago, they were challenging for the title. Last year, obviously, it sort of all went apart in the first part of the season. Could you see them getting back in the title picture, or do you think it's more about getting in that top four this year? Uh, I think more realistically, top four. I think I think Atalanta are probably better. Um, I think Inter are probably definitely better. I mean, I know Napoli on the day are quite explosive. You know, they, they are a match for anybody. They proved that in the Coppa Italia final. They deserve to win that game. But I just can't see them the longevity for a whole season to do better than Inter, do better than Juventus. And I still think Atalanta, like I've just said, have still got something to offer. You know, I hope they haven't peaked after the Champions League disappointment. But I think top four would represent progress as well, you know, after finishing outside last season. Um, I just don't think throughout the whole season they've got enough to, you know, really have a crack at the title. I think the core base of that team... You know, it's you know a couple of years older than you know what they were when they came close two years ago. You know, you cut the buys and Vincenzo, and I've and just said that you know Insigne is playing really well at the minute, but um, I just can't quite see them challenging quite for the title. Definitely top four though. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that one goes, but certainly since the turn of the year, Napoli have been one of the informed teams. Okay, I then want to go on to Roma. We've got plenty to talk about with Roma actually. First up, it looks as though, well, they have forfeited the game from Saturday. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw, but Verona have been handed a 3-0 win because Diawara played when he had not been registered properly. Um, James, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, seems a very rookie mistake from such a big club. Do you th- have any sympathy for them or do you think it's, it's just basically ridiculous on their part? I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head, to be honest. I think it is a little bit ridiculous um, that in this kind of, at this level, uh, you know, a, a mistake like that can be made. It's the kind of thing you expect to see, you know, Sunday league and, and the player's not registered and he's playing under a false name and all this kind of thing. So I, I can't believe that they've, they've let that slip, to be honest, let that slip through the net. I know there's a lot going on there at the moment, but, you know, it, it really is something that y- you can't, really excuse something like that not being picked up on I think it's a a really really you know a schoolboy error from Roma and uh, it's a shame I mean it's it wasn't the best result in the world anyway a point but it's you know Verona obviously did well last season we're going to see how they get on in a in a second year it's obviously a lot different and but it it was it was an okay start to the season and and it's just compounded um, that completely so yeah I think it's a rookie mistake and um, I'm sure they won't do it again um, after that but yeah it's it's a real shame from Roma's uh, point of view and it's and it's a bit of a shambles really to be honest with you. Yeah I mean I understand they're going to try and go through an appeal process and so there is the possibility maybe that it could get overturned in time um, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but then Another thing I want to talk about for Roma, Rafa, um, is about Dzeko. So he did not play on the weekend 
as a move to Juventus seemed imminent, but now it seems that move is off and he's going to stay at Roma. What do you think that means for Roma? Do you think it's good for them or is it slightly worrying given that he had one foot out the door and is now all of a sudden staying, it seems? I mean, they definitely lacked that finishing touch anyway, that sort of incisive, uh, incisive player. Having him back, having him back in the fold is definitely good, but at the same time, yeah, they they were ready to get Milik in. Um, obviously, there were there were issues with Milik uh, with Milik leaving Napoli. Actually, I think it was in terms of um, the image rights that needed to be settled. So that's why that move didn't go through. And obviously, Jeko can't go to well, isn't going to go to Juventus anymore because Morata is going to be Pirlo's um, Pirlo's backup striker now. So uh, he's going to have to he's, he's going to have to stay at Roma, and I think he's he's professional enough to you know take you on the chin and just carry on at Roma and carry on as that sort of talismanic figure that he is for for them, and he, he has been crucial for them in the last few few seasons. So I think on the whole, it, on the whole, it is a good thing for them. But I think in general, just the management of the the Jeco deal, the the Diawara situation really is emblematic of how the club's been mismanaged over the last few years. Um, I think just as, as recently as um, I think it was in May, the sporting director Gianluca Petracchi had to leave or was was um, was fired, and now the new the um, so the new directors are reportedly going to leave as well. So yeah. I think just. Just the sort of the directors, sort of the, the board at board level, things things just aren't going well at Roma, and I think the new owner Dan Freakins has a lot of work on his hands to sort of put everything right at the club. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit of a mess at the moment, um, and yeah, a bit of a shocking day today for Roma with it being with them having to forfeit that game as well. Okay, we're going to move on to another team uh, with plenty of history. We're going to go to Fiorentina. They got a win on the weekend, 1-0 over Torino. They've had a couple of poor years, um, Tom, having you know, re- you know, nearly got relegated a couple of years ago, last season mid-table, but given the players that they've got, they should be doing better. They seem to have made some good signings this summer with Amrabat, Bonaventura, even Valero coming back. Do you think that they will do much better this season and possibly even push for Europa League? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, I looked at some of the key moments and some parts of the game of that one-nil win over Torino, and um, it was it was an exciting game, but it wasn't an out-of-this-world performance. So they really struggled to break Torino down, you know, who really nearly got relegated last season. So I mean, they've got the potential on paper, but they really need to start making. Uh, the team work well together. However, one player to keep an eye out for, I think, is Kwame. He looked uh, really promising. He was in a lot of in the right positions at the right time. His movement was really good, um, so he could be vital. And I think if he has a really good season this year, he um, could make sure that you know Fiorentina, you know, improve on their performance of last season. Yeah, I mean, he had some fitness issues last year. Um, all he was missing was the finishing touch on the weekend. As you said, he, he put himself in the position to get quite a few chances. So he is a young player to definitely keep an eye on. 
Um, his former club, Genoa, um, they got a big win this weekend, 4-1. Rolando Maran's first game in charge. Um, what, did you, what did you think of, of Genoa this weekend, uh, Jake? Um, do you think they could do better this year, having really struggled with uh, battling against relegation in previous seasons? Or do you think it was just a case of Crotone being really poor? Uh, I think Crotone are really going to struggle this season. Uh, I think it was really evident uh, at the weekend. I think looking at the squad, it's really hard to pick out players in that team that would get into you know, the lion's share of the other Serie A clubs. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of members of the team who got relegated last time. You know, Benali in particular, he's such a key yeah. man for them, but he couldn't even save them last time. I think you know, they're, they're really, really going to struggle. Um, but you can't take credit away from general. I think under Moran, they're going to be a better prospect. Um, I think he spent a little bit of money last year. They thought they could put a team together that would do a lot better than what it did. And it, it, it just got to the point at the back end of last season where they were just going nowhere. You know, Juventus won there really, really easily. And, you know, you, you don't want to look too far back. You look, but, you know, 10 years or so ago, yeah, Gasparini in charge, you had players like Melito and Motta. And I still think they've got a long, long way to go obviously, before that happens. This year, they might do a little bit better, but um, I think it's hard to say. 4-1 against Crotone is a good result. You know, get off to a good start. But, you know, most teams are going to beat Crotone quite comfortably this season. Yeah, I think the thing with Genoa is they've got a ridiculous amount of players on loan. So, it's quite hard to actually tell who's there on a long-term contract. <laughs> I mean, so, someone like Zappa Costa, he impressed on the weekend. But again, just a loan deal. So, yeah, we'll have to see how Genoa do. They've really struggled in the last few seasons. And then last night, um, we saw Milan in action for the first time this season. Um, Ibrahimovic scored two, Milan won 2-0. How do you see Milan getting on this season, James? Um, once again, sort of similar to Napoli. Some people are getting really excited and feel they could you know, possibly even push the likes of Juve and Inter. But do you think it's a case of getting that top four this season and build from there? Well, I have to say I'm kind of in the camp of, of being excited about them. And to be honest, Sam, I think they've they've got real momentum at the moment. And I think that's important after some of the kind of the, the times that they've had, obviously, recently. I think it's important to get that kind of feel-good factor a little bit more around them. Um, I think there is a slight over-reliance on Ibrahimovic, which I think is a little bit of a worry, in my opinion. Um, you know, he turns 39, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. And, and you know, it's if you've got aspirations of, of certainly challenging the top two, but even if you're challenging for, for Champions League place, I think it's a, a risk to be going into a season really kind of so heavily leaning on um, on such an old player. Having said that, you know, he, superb yesterday. Um, that header for the first one was was kind of classic Ibra, wasn't it? The way he got up and just powered past the, uh, the defence. So, yeah, I think um, he's obviously still got Still got it. He doesn't have any, you know, designs on slowing down. But I think there is a, a little bit of an over reliance on him. And I think going for a Champions League place would be would has to be the aim for them. I think you, you know you have to walk before you can run. And obviously they've had a little bit of a, t a difficult time over the last eight to ten years. So I think the first step for them will be to, to you know to get back into the Champions League and make sure they can kind of cement that um, over the next two or three years and then start looking at you know how they can challenge uh, Juve and, and obviously Inter as well but I think early signs are good for them um, I like the look of Salamekas I think he looks fantastic I think he was a really super bit of business for them 
Um, and yeah, Antti Rebic, I think, is, is somebody who can have a big impact this season. We saw that a little bit towards the back end of last season. Um, but I think he, he can make a real impact as well. So, yeah, I mean, Tenali as well is a sensational signing for them. I think he, he's only going to come on uh, leaps and bounds. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see Milan this season. I think they'll be written off by a few. And I think that'll be um, at, the, at the peril of a few teams. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Milan are one of the teams to keep an eye on. They, their strength in depth is uh, better than it's been for quite some time. If you think last night, the likes of Salamakas, as you say, um, Raheem Diaz, Tonali, all able to come off the bench and make an impact. So it will be interesting to see. So, Rafa, I now want to move on to transfers. And um, so first up, I want to ask you, which club so far... Um, do you think has had the best transfer window with two weeks to go, of course? I'm going to go into the green and say that Genoa have had a very strong window because what they've done well um, over the summer is that they've brought in a new sporting director, uh, Daniele Fajano, and they've identified that you know, they do need a drastic change in, um, in strategy before, you know, if they're, going to, if they're going to avoid the job this season because it, it's, it's been a very real risk over the last few years and so a lot of the signings they're bringing in are unknown admittedly but they're definitely um they're definitely very um well they're addressing key spots in their area in their in their squad and the fact that a lot of these players are coming in from Juventus is I mean it's on the one hand it is slightly worrying but on the other it does show that these you know these players will have an understanding between them I mean the fact that they've got they bring in Piazza uh, Perin, uh, potentially Luca Pellegrini as well. Yeah. And then you add on to that, um, obviously, the signing of Zafa Costa and potentially Antonio Crandreva if, uh, if he does come. And under, under, with all of those players under Moran, I think, can have a, can have a good, um, can definitely have a good season. So, I don't know. I don't know if it will work on a sort of a long term, a long term basis. But they've definitely had sort of the shrewdest transfer window, I would say. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Rafa went against the grain there. What What do you think, Tom? Do you, Do you agree with him, or or do you have another team in mind? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree with uh, Rafael there, that general. But I think based. So I would have actually. At the start, would have maybe, you know, before the game started, would have said Fiorentina because, you know, on paper, they made so many, you know, strengthened their squad so much. However, we haven't seen that really transfer onto the pitch. I would say actually Juventus. I was kind of surprised because we I remember last week we were discussing, or like uh, last season we were discussing how Juventus have such an aging team. And... This season, you know, they signed, you know, Morata, McKenny Kulisewski and Arthur. And, you know, McKenny Kulisewski were so good um, over the weekend. And, you know, they offloaded Pjanic, Matuidi and Higuain, who are, you know, all well into their 30s. So what Juventus have been do have done so effectively was, you know, get these young players and integrate it into the team who actually perform on the day. So that's why I would say, yeah, Juventus have definitely had a really successful transfer window in that sense. Yeah. And what, what about you, Jake? Who's, who's, your, who's your team that you like the look of across the course of the window? Yeah, I think it's hard to not look at Fiorentina. Uh, I know it's just been mentioned, but 
Um, I'm a big fan of Bonaventura. Uh, I think if you look at the Milan team last six or seven years, they've had a lot of comings and goings. Some players have really underperformed, but Bonaventura, a lot of that times, you know, been there. I know he's had injury problems, but he's been a bit of a leader for them. So I think to get him on a free is a real good signing. You know, Amrabat, you know, it's been said many, many times over last season how good he was and how important he was for Verona. So. I think Fiorentina, for me, probably had the best window. You know, you had those plays. You, you even got Valero coming in now, who did a job for Inter last season at times. You've got Castrovilli in midfield, Vlavic, you've got Chiesa, Kwame. There's no reason why that team shouldn't be looking at Europa League. But I think a bit controversial, perhaps, but, you know, it's also worth mentioning looking at Inter's business. I think they signed a lot of experience that could go either way. You know, with Vidal definitely coming in today and, you know, Kolarov, but I think Hakimi, you'll be hard stretched to find a better signing than that this summer. I think he's got the potential to, you know, be one of the best. He's already up there as it is, uh, best, you know, wing back, full backs in the world. So to get him on such a good deal as well, I think a lot needs to be said for that signing, even though they probably should have signed Tonali. <laughs> yeah. And what, what about you finally, James? Uh, who, who stands out for you? Well, I agree with with Jade there as well. Actually, I think Hakim is one which, which might go under the radar a little bit. I think he's an absolutely brilliant signing for Inter. Um, I think looking across the league, I think there's for me it's clear that there's really kind of a, a dearth of, um, of 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 standout transfers. Really, and these these ones that we're talking about are, are fairly kind of. Um, you know, under the radar, kind of run of the mill transfers. I think it, it's been a little bit like that um, for me this summer. I think what I will say, I think possibly if Napoli can keep hold of Koulibaly, um, then that might be for me them having a, a one of the best windows just because I think he's so key to them. And um, that I think that would be for them a, a super kind of window if they can keep hold. And obviously bringing in Ossiman as well, I think was he was coveted by a lot of teams around Europe. Obviously it was a, a, a big fee that they paid in the end, but I think um, that was a smart bit of business and, and for them just to kind of quietly uh, go about with, with more or less the same squad. Uh, obviously Milik's, um, you know, we don't really know what's happening with him, but for them to kind of kick on with more or less the same squad, I think is a, is a boost for them. Yeah. Okay. And so what I want to do next is, um, We'll start with Rafa and then go through you guys. I know you've already mentioned quite a few players there, but I want you to pick out your one best signing so far. Um, just just one player and then obviously explain why you've gone for them. Uh, so personally, I'm going to say uh, Dejan Kulusevski for Juventus. I mean, not just because, not just for his immediate impact, because you know, he's, he's going to be such a key player in attack, but also as, as a future investment for Juventus. Um, I think the fact that they've gone for, you know, a young player as someone who could potentially, for for a good few seasons, be the leader of the attack uh, further down the line is is a very smart signing. And but obviously he is he is going to have an immediate impact as well. We saw that we saw that at the weekend. This is with a great a great finish for his uh, for his first goal. Nice. Okay, and, and what about you, Tom? So I'm actually going to go with, I would say, Tonali to Milan because over the years, Milan have been lacking so much stability in the centre of midfield. And honestly, I feel like he could, he is the person they were looking for. You know, I feel like if you look back as far as back as since Pirlo left, they haven't had such a player with so much potential in a deep-lying, like, playmaker kind of, position you can create chances and I think 
he is the person who can really elevate Milan's performances uh, come this season. And how about yourself, Jake? Uh, well, I've kind of given mine away a little bit. I was going to say Bonaventura or Hakimi. They're my two real standout ones. So I'll, I'll throw you in a really maverick one. Um, I think Benevento signing Camille Glick. Uh, and that might sound a bit outrageous, but I think a player of his calibre uh, dropping into a new promoted side, I think Benevento didn't really do themselves much favours last time they came up. And I think they'll find it hard this season. But out of the three promoted sides, I think they're probably the best equipped. Um, Inzaghi's quite a defensive-minded manager. Um, we know that from his time at Bologna and uh, I think having him that experience of player who's played you know, at top level last few years he's, he's played in Italy before he's been at Palermo he's been at Torino so I, I think that could be a really shrewd bit of business a bit of experience in there for them might really help and finally you James yeah I, I agree with all, all the boys there fantastic um, some great great players Glick and super but I'm going to throw a, another slight curveball as well I think um, for me, it's uh, Miranchuk, Alexi Miranchuk for Atalanta. Um, I know he joins a squad of kind of technically gifted players, um, but I think he he is a special player. I'm surprised that he hadn't hadn't moved. Nobody had picked him up before, to be honest. I think he's got everything to um, to compete and, and to shine in, a, especially in a team like Atalanta. So it was a signing. It was I think it was around 15 million or so, and it was one that I saw and uh, which made my my eyes pop out of my head. Actually, I was exclaimed with. Uh, with with kind of joy that somebody had picked him up because I think he is um, he is somebody who could light up the league actually and one of those classic kind of Atlanta uh, signings that will go under the radar and um, but might actually end up being one of the best players uh, in Serie A. So yeah, really excited to see to see how he does. Yeah, I think that there was based on social media. There's a lot of excitement following him. Um, we're going to do flip side here, and obviously this can be a bit tongue in cheek if you want, but. Who I want each of you to name who you think the flop signing of the season will be. So, you know, that everyone's sort of getting excited about that you don't see yourselves and think might go the other way. So, starting with you, Rafa. Um, I mean, I don't think any signing is going to be a complete disaster, especially because mm-hmm. uh, when you look at like the way a lot of deals are structured uh, this season, a lot of them are loan deals with options to buy. So, no player is really going to be a complete loss of investment but I'm going to go with uh, Diego Godin to Cagliari which looks pretty much done I think for the for the wages he's going to be on and the fact that he is he has been in decline really um, he, he hasn't he hasn't really been stellar for, for Inter I feel I feel like it's a massive outlay for, for Cagliari to, to be making and I don't really see how he's going to instantly I mean he, he'll he's obviously got the experience he's got the technical mouse but I don't think he's going to be a season defining signing for them Yeah I think there were, there were sort of worries that his legs were going towards the end of last season obviously he's well into his 30s he didn't show the sort of form at Inter that he had for so many years at Atletico so that's not a, not a bad shout there at all. How, how about you, Tom? Anyone stand out for you? I'm not sure if it would be considered a flop, but I would say Alexis Sanchez has the potential to become, you know, less, perform less than what people expect him to perform because they've got such a talented attack up front uh, into Milan with Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez that, you know, he might not be starting every game and there's a tendency of, you know, Sanchez becoming, you know, complacent with his wages and just 
not perform to the expectations people want him. And I'm not sure he'll be able to perform at that high level, you know, because Inter are trying to push for the title. And I'm not sure he's going to have a major role in that. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And how about, how about you, Jake? Uh, I'm going to go for one that might be a bit controversial for Lazio fans, but I think um, Vedat Mariki. Uh, I think they really have lacked a second striker as an option for Immobile, but I think where, where that's really difficult is you find it a lot with Spurs and with Harry Kane, and we find it in the past, especially at Man City with like Sergio Aguero. I think when you've got a striker who's that good as your main striker, finding that support from him is really, really difficult. And I think Casado's been okay at that, but he's, he's, he's just nowhere near Immobile's ability. And I don't think Mariki will be that much better. I think the outlay for him, 18 million euros, is a lot of money to be spent by Lazio. They're very shrewd with the dealings. They don't spend a lot of money. So I think it's a really big outlay. He's got decent pedigree in Turkey, but Turkey to Serie A is a big, big jump. So I think Lazio fans will be expecting him to be better than Casado, maybe not quite as good as Immobile. I think he'll do that. But for that outlay and the expectations, I think... I'm, I'm just not convinced. I'm not convinced. An interesting shout. And then we're going to go on to James, finally. I'm, I'm shocked that nobody's mentioned Maratta actually, yet. I, I, I can't work out the, the value of that deal at all for Juve. I know he, he kind of excelled there before, but for the life of me, I, I can't see why anybody uh, would take on Maratta at this stage. So I know they need a... They've obviously been well-documented. They're in the market for a, a striker, and obviously he wasn't the first choice. Um, but I, I just can't see where, where he fits in there for me. Um, and it, it looks like it's obviously a loan initially, but it, it looks like a hefty fee um, is possibly going to be obligatory on top of that. So, yeah, I, I don't really see how that one's going to work, to be honest. But, you know, I hope he, um, I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, I, I think that is an interesting show. I saw a stat, I think it was yesterday, um, that he's moved to like, you know, Juventus, Real Madrid, yeah. Atletico and Chelsea. And in the last six years, has scored less than 50 goals. Yeah. So then, to be getting so many big moves does seem a bit bizarre given, given his outlay. So, yeah, we'll see. It, it seems he may just be a backup option, but, uh, but we will see. And we've got more predictions coming up now. Okay, so what I want to start with, I want um, each of you to pick one team who you think will definitely go down this season. Obviously, some teams haven't even played yet, but I'll start with you, Rafa. Um, I mean, I'm going to go with a bit of an obvious choice and say Spezia, because, I mean, they, they were the feel-good story of last year's, uh, last year's Serie B. They went up through the playoffs to sort of reach the top flight for the first time in their history. But, yeah, I mean, they, when you look at their squad, they clearly don't have a sort of Serie A calibre caliber squad. They don't really have what it takes to, to stay up. We saw that in the performance against, against Genoa. They have a few familiar faces, like um, Capadrossi, who's, who's, been to, who's, who's played for Roma. But as a cohesive unit, I don't think there's, there's, much, there's much in the way of a, a top flight team there. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to say Cortona because they were very poor over the weekend. They were, you know, they couldn't play the offside trap properly. I don't know, just from the outside. And then Matsota made a massive mistake as well. So the defence is not the best either. So, I'm, yeah, probably they will go down as well. Any disagreements from you, Jay? 
Uh, I think those two are going to be my pick, um, to be honest. Uh, I, I find it hard to come up with a third one. I'm, I'm torn between Benevento. Um, I quite fancy Torino. That's a really bold claim, but I really think Torino will struggle this season. Um, I think you look at maybe Udinese in there as well. I think they'll struggle. Um, in terms of definitely going down, I think those two sides, Torino Udinese, could easily finish sort of lower mid-table. But I just think Torino are in a bit of a rut. I can't see... Um, Gianpaolo doing a great job there he's, what he did at Milan last year was an abject failure albeit in a short period of time uh, Udinese might be a bit different given the Watford situation this year because it seemed as if um, the Potsos were more interested in Watford but now they've been relegated to the Championship maybe they might spend a bit more time uh, with Udinese but I think I, I can't choose <laughs> I definitely think Crotone and Spezia I think they'll really struggle but um, I'm really interested to uh, see what James says to be honest here <laughs> yeah. uh, how, how, how about you James uh, do you um, I, I, I take it you agree about Crotone and Spezia maybe but do you, do you have an idea who that third team might be no you did me a, a dis you know a, you left me in a lurch leaving me till last uh, and I, I think I'm going to go bold as well, actually. And I'm going to say, I mean, it might be reactionary off the back of the, the kind of abject display um, at the weekend, but I think Samp might, um, number might be up, to be honest. I don't, I know they, they improved last year under Ranieri, but I'd, I don't know. I think his magic's on the way. And I think I can see him losing that kind of uh, spark that he that he kind of emanates and I do worry about them actually. I think they're an aging kind of squad and I don't see where the goals are coming from necessarily um, without Guagliarella. So I I kind of I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say uh, we'll be sitting here in May hopefully, uh, providing we can finish by then uh, with Sam going down. Okay, and now the next thing I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you. I want to ask this in two bits. So starting with you, Rafa. Who do you see as being a surprise package of the season in, ter- in terms of a team overperforming, and which side do you feel is going to have a disappointing year, d- despite you know perhaps being fancied by some? Um, I think in terms of the teams who will overperform, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Genoa again on this one because yeah, I, I mean from the signings they've made and the fact that they have sort of as a club. I'd hope as a club they've sort of changed uh, they've changed direction really compared to sort of the rut they were in the last few years. I think I think they'll be in they'll, they'll be finishing around upper mid table this season rather than rather than fighting fighting relegation like they um, like they have been recently. And as a team that will underperform I would say I, I would go for for Hellas actually. Because even though they were they had a they they were all right against um, against Roma, but I think if you look at the bigger picture, they've um, they've when you look at the team the players that they've lost in this in this window, and they haven't really replaced them with some top tier signings. Um, I mean, the fact that they've lost Amrabat, who was so key to them last season, and losing Kumbula and Ramani, who basically were. You know, were the the foundations of their defence, and the defence was, or in turn, was the foundation of their success. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they if we didn't see a, a Europa League challenge like we did uh, last season. Yeah. And and how about you, Tom? Well, I mean, I'm not sure if you would call it overperforming, but I would say 
um, Milan and um, Napoli will definitely, I think like they will really push Juventus. Uh, they, I think they'll definitely get Champions League based on the performance, just the way the teams were working. So I definitely think they'll push Juventus and get Champions League this year. However, underperformers, I would definitely put uh, Roma because in their first game against Hellas Verona, they were just terrible. I mean, even if you just include the player registration issue as well, Diavara. But when you look at their back line, it was Ibanez Cristante just did not seem to have any communication between them. Hellas Verona were playing through them. And honestly, the nil-nil scoreline does not tell the whole story. Hellas Verona could have easily won that 3-0. So I think Roma will definitely struggle to get into Europe this year. Yeah. How about you, Jake? Uh, I think my tip to perhaps overperform probably Sassuolo. Uh, I think that attacking uh, Trident, if you will, uh, Berardi, Boga, Caputo. I mean, Boga's been linked with the move, but should he stay? I think that that front three is it, pretty deadly. I think maybe Caputo. You know, another year on the clock. Although. He seems to be a bit of a late bloomer. It might be difficult for him to replicate the same form as he had done the last two years. But for me, Sassuolo are almost sort of like a poor man's Atalanta, really. When when they're on form, they can give anybody a game. They played Juventus at the back end of the season and uh, they made it really, really difficult for them. And uh, I think on their day, they're, they're a match for anybody. You know, <clears throat> They also made it quite difficult for Inter at San Siro, as we know. Galliardi and his fault, but we won't go into that. Um, but I think the team that are going to underperform, I'm going to go against Green. I think everyone's... You know, quite you know behind Milan, but I, I just think we'll disappoint. I think you know Zlatan gets injured. You know who they're going to play up front? Leal, very inconsistent, very very explosive talent, definitely a little bit inconsistent. You know, Rich last season, first half of the season, pretty average. I know he's got to settle, but pretty average. Second half of the season, good. You know, a lot of the players are quite inconsistent. Kessier, definitely one of, that, one of those in that category as well. I think in Theo Hernandez, they've got a brilliant player. You know, and if Zlatan can stay fit, he's a talisman. It's not just his goals, it's his whole aura and figure. But And you've got to look at the manager as well. I think, you know, Pioli's famous for it, you know, when he's been at Lazio, Fiorentina, even at Inter, when he, when he went to Inter the first couple of months, he was absolutely brilliant. Then they just they couldn't beat an egg after that. They, they, they were useless. So... I think the start's been really, really good. You know, San Antonio's obviously a real coup for them, but I just I can't see them going a full season at this tilt. I think they'll, they'll get some tougher fixtures uh, along the run as well. It's how they respond to those games that's really important. I think you know when they were on a good spell back end of the season, they weren't playing the, you know the real, real big boys. So I think I hope I'm wrong. You know, it'd be really, really nice to see Milan back in Champions League football. You know seven-time winners of that competition, you know, they deserve to be there, even just for that in some ways. But I, I think they'll disappoint people. Yeah. And how about you, James? Any controversial shouts from you? <laughs> um, well, I think that the lads have kind of covered uh, my shouts quite well. And I was thinking, obviously, Milan. I think that I've placed myself firmly in the uh, Milan are going to win everything camp. Um, so yeah, I do think Milan will have a good season, um, and Sassuolo was another one that I feel I feel like they they're ready to maybe take that next step under De Zerbi. So I do think that they will maybe not not get into the Champions League, and but I think they'll be in and around um, 
certainly the Europa League place, I think they might push hard for, for top four as well. But So I think I'll, I'll, I'll maybe try and alter and, and say Fiorentina possibly might um, might surprise a few. We spoke a little bit about them before. I'm a huge fan of Castrovilli. I think he's one of one of the best midfielders uh, potentially in the league. I think he's he's got everything for me. And I'm really happy that they've managed to keep hold of Chiesa for another year as well. I think obviously he's probably the one world-class player that they do have maybe disputed but I think he's got the highest ceiling um, in that squad and I feel like if they if they can get him going I know he struggled a little bit kind of throughout last season for rhythm but I think there's a world-class talent in there and I feel like he can propel them almost by himself up the league um, so yeah I expect Fiorentina maybe to to have a, a better season than, than a few might tip them for I think in terms of underperformance I can't really look beyond Roma to be honest obviously I've stuck my neck out and and, and said that Sampdoria might uh, might go down so that's obviously uh, would be an underperformance but I think Roma are the team that I really fear for at the moment they're obviously some things not quite right behind the scenes um, there's a little bit of a mess in terms of, of day-to-day running and just decisions being made don't look you know, fully formed, or I, I do worry that they they might come and stop this season. I like Fonseca. I think he, he did a good job last season. He he was a difficult job really to come into, and I th- I think he did it well. Um, but I do think that they haven't quite got the firepower. I also worry maybe slightly where Jeco's head is. I know he's been sensational for them um, since he's been there and he's a huge figurehead for them and they need him performing Um, but I do worry with all the speculation and and the talk of Juventus it seems to me that he was he was probably their top choice Um, and you do worry at his kind of age if his mind starts to drift a little bit um, and and hopefully Roma fans will really be hoping that's not the case because if it is then then they might really start to to plummet down uh, towards kind of mid-table I don't see them going really any lower than that but obviously that would be a, a real disappointment for them yeah I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Roma bounce back it's been, it's been a tough week for them no doubt okay on to the final section of the show and I want to welcome uh, our Norwegian expert Ben Wells uh, reason we've got Ben on today is because Milan who we've talked about plenty tonight are in Europa League action on Thursday they play they play runaway leaders over in Norway, Bodo Glimt. So, Ben, I wanted to start off by asking you, do you give uh, Bodo Glimt any chance of pulling off a shock on Thursday? Uh, yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, cheers for having me on. Um, yeah, it's put it's put quite bluntly. I think they've got a pretty decent chance. Um, they're one of the sort of form teams in world football right now. They're absolutely smashing it in Norway at the moment and scoring goals for fun. Um I know Milan are in a sort of similar stretch of form as well, so they obviously, they're obviously going to be huge favourites. But yeah, I think a lot of people, especially in Norway, are not ruling out a potential upset. And how um, how do you expect them to approach the game? What, what's their sort of style of football? You, you said that they score a lot of goals, so are, are they a very offensive-minded team in your eyes? Yeah, they're a very attacking team. Um, I highly doubt they'll change... Um, best set up because it's worked so well from this season um, both domestically and in Europe so far as well um, yeah very attacking team they can play even on a counter or you know they're one of the best sort of build up teams in, in um, the elite series as well um, quite a high pressing game especially from their defenders their defenders are to press high up the pitch um, they've got a really strong midfield feeding an even stronger attack so yeah their game is 
to try and score as many goals as they can, essentially. I think they're averaging something like 3.5 to 4 goals a game in the league this year, across 18 games already. So, yeah, I can see it. I, I doubt they'll change just because it's Milan. I think they'll still come in with the intent to attack. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we might be a high-scoring game on our hands. Yeah, and I wonder, do you think it's much of an advantage that, uh, you know, in Norway, they're, they're well into their season now? Are they, you know, I think they've had over 20 league games this season, whilst Milan have obviously only recently started this weekend. So do you think, perhaps given that Milan might not be fully in their stride yet, that could play into Bodo Glimp's hands? Yeah, I think there's, there's sort of two ways of looking at it. I think on one side, as you mentioned, Bodo Glimp says, yeah, more than halfway through their season, uh, yeah, they're used to their style of play now. They're in a good run of form and obviously, yeah, should be fully up to match speed. I guess on the flip side of that, you could say that because obviously of COVID, the Norwegian season's been really condensed this year. So they only started playing in June. So they're already sort of more than more than two-thirds of the way through the season um, or nearly two-thirds of the way through the season even. So there's been a lot of sort of double game weeks, a lot of midweek rounds and obviously Glimt's been playing in Europe as well. So... I think, yeah, the other way of looking at it is that they could potentially be a bit more tired and Milan could come into it slightly fresher. But, yeah, I, I personally think that, that that match practice and the fact that they are so deep in the season and such a form as well, I think that's only a, only can be an advantage to them. And Bodo Glimps are one of the fittest teams in Norway. They, they work harder than anyone else. Um, if you look at their team, they, they rarely rotate, even in the rounds. It's the same 11 every week. So, yeah, I don't really think tiredness will come into it and hopefully... Um, they should be able to keep up the sort of speed they've been playing at recently. Yeah, so finally, I just wanted to touch on, um, are there any specific players to look out for, do you think? I know Christopher Ayer uh, has actually been linked with a move to Milan himself, but uh, alongside him, are there any others we should be looking out for that could have a big impact? Um, yeah, for Bono Glim, very good players. Um, a lot of players who are massively informed. You've got... Um, Philip Zinkenagel, who's a Danish forward, who plays out wide, um, usually on the right-hand side. Um, so, 18 games for him this year. I think he's got 13 goals, 13 assists, which is you know, pretty unbelievable. 26 sort of goal, um, goal points there. Um, as well as him as well, you've got Jens Petterhalger, who's a young lad, um, plays on the left-hand side. He's got 14 goals and seven assists in the league as well. Um, he's been linked to sort of so many big clubs recently. I'm surprised you know, if Milan don't get linked to him in the future or maybe after this game if he plays well. Um, I think United were having a look at him recently, a lot of Dutch clubs as well. Uh, so those two guys are their sort of main attacking talent. And then in midfield, you've got Patrick Berg, who's a brilliant sort of deep line playmaker. He's recently had his first sort of call up to the Norwegian national team squad, which, which is pretty massive for a Norwegian because it's quite rare that elite serum players do actually make it up to that level while still playing in the elite serum. So for Patrick Berg to do that was a yeah, massive achievement for him. Um, and aside from that, there's another guy called Oryx Stoltnes in midfield, who's sort of a classic sort of box-to-box midfielder. And he, again, sort of alongside many other players for Glimp to take on sort of more of a goal-scoring role this season. Um, this is a guy who used to play centre-back at times in the past. He's now got eight goals and eight assists in the league as well this year. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, lot of attacking talent to look out for. And if Bono didn't play how they have been playing, then definitely could cause Milan a lot of problems. Yeah, it promises to be a good game. Uh, 
we've got a sort of David versus Goliath contest, which we always like in Europe. So should be a fascinating contest. Thanks a lot for coming on, Ben, and offering your insight. Uh, so I just want to end today's show. Uh, I'm going to ask all our Italian experts, just in one word, I want you to pick who you think will win Serie A this season. So starting with you, Rafa, I know this could be controversial. So just one word, who, who's going to win the league for you this year? Uh, Juventus. Not very original, but you can't, I, I, don't, I can't really get away from the fact that it's going to be, it seems inevitable. More than one word there, really. <laughs> okay, on, 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 on to Tom. Juventus. Juventus. Jake, any different from you? Inter. Inter, okay. Big shout. And finally, James. Juventus. Juventus. Okay, 3 1 to Juventus. We'll see how it plays out. Okay, all right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the opening show of the season, guys. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, We'll, we'll start up again soon next week as well with another episode. So looking forward to it.